right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here, joined by my guy, Mr. DJ Pie. I feel like it's been a while, Pie Man. How are you, bud? It has been a while. I'm happy to be back with you. Bonjourno. Uh, just, Jeez. you know, ex- excited to be here and excited to talk golf, man. Great weekend of golf. Great weekend of not golf. Great weekend uh, just across the board, man. It, it, was a, it was a great weekend to be on the couch. Uh, not a lot of bullshit to talk about this week. I'm ready to talk about the golf that we actually witnessed and watched and exactly. the birdies and bogeys and the fun that we had. I, I want to get your thoughts a little bit on some things that happened uh, this past week and how you see things playing out a little bit. But let, let's start with, first of all, this episode of course brought to you by our friends at Titleist and the PGA Tour's most played drivers, Titleist TSR, more than one third of the field at the Scottish Open, including half the guys who finished T19 or better, had a Titleist driver in the bag with more TSR models in play than any other brand, and not to go unnoticed. Our very own Mr. DJ Pajowski also had a TSR2 driver in play for, I believe, 10 rounds of golf in just under 48 hours earlier this week in Wisconsin. Is that right? Just under 40 hours, technically, if you'd like to take off, you know, if you get get me on a technicality there. But uh, do you know how good you have to drive it when you have to play that golf, that much golf that fast? That was the big stressor was like the only way we can get this done is if we're not looking for balls constantly, if we're keeping them in the fairway, fairways and greens. Got to hit a lot of fairways in order to do that. And that's exactly what I did with my TSR, too. I just got a text. I got texts are coming into the line. Sir, sir, I just got fit into a brand new TSR three. I'm so excited. I mean, it's just it's a. It's a you know it's sweeping the nation, Solly. I love to hear that the key to greater accuracy looks different for every player. Whether you need to improve your spin control, launch angle, or impact point, a Titleist fitter can match you with a TSR configuration that delivers exactly what you need and help you produce faster ball speed and more playable distance from every swing. I've said this many times, but it took me three swings to pick up 18 yards of carry without any increase in ball speed, just on improving my launch angle and spin. So it's pretty sick what they can do. So. Head to titles.com to find a Titleist fitter near you. Pie man, what's your uh, what's your reaction to Roy McElroy winning the Scottish Open? I'm going to be a downer for just a second on this because obviously we have a lot of exciting golf to talk about. It was a, a fun morning watching uh, the golf, but how my brain works, it, he was going to be my pick going into Liverpool, and now I'm like, nah, well, that's not going to happen now. Like, you can't win the week before and roll out and win an H the next week. That's I, 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 and part of me thinks Rory might think that way as well. Maybe, you know, if you're looking at the history that didn't in, in 14, when he won at this very golf course, didn't he go Bridgestone, Liverpool, PGA back to back to back AAU national champion? Yeah. He went a Mansky, but that was a different, that was an FU Rory. Like it was only a decade ago. Yeah. You uh, know, what could have changed since then? I mean, uh, I, I I uh, will be optimistic and just say I don't think winning a tournament is a, is a bad thing. I'll go out on that limb and I'll say it's, it's a positive to win a tournament. I think what sticks with me most is is going to be you tweeted it, I tweeted it, but the the clip from the DP World Tour, the down the line like DSLR shot of the you know where you can hear the compression of that two iron, you can see how like somehow it was like low and soft and floaty at the same time. I don't like just your favorite ball ball striker's favorite ball striker kind of shot there, and just that shot into 18 man just absolutely blew my doors off part of it is because that was kind of the the 
the limit of what I was able to watch today. I was I was all pumped. I thought I had did, you know, as a golf fan, you know this. You got to do a lot of homework the night before <laughs> to figure out how the fuck you can even watch this product. You got to chart the pins. You got to look at the wind forecast. You got to exactly. do all kinds of stuff. So before I went to bed, I did my normal thing. I, I looked at the times. I looked at like, okay, when can I watch this? Where should I be watching this? Where do I set my DVR? What time do I have to set my alarm? All these things. And I, I thought I saw they were doing a replay of the round from 9 to 11 or something like that. So I was like, all right, perfect. I'll flip it on at 9. No worries. Like I'll, I'll leave my phone in the other room. I'm not going to have it spoiled for me. Flipped it on a nine. Of course, it was it was Whit Watson. Do it. You're never going to believe what Robert McIntyre is. We're not going to show it to you. You'll you'll we'll show you eventually. But it's it, everybody's crying. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm like, oh great. All right. Well, that's cool. So then, you know, I'm trying to click around and like it's almost like the movie Memento. I'm just trying to like fucking piece together what has happened now over the last four four hours that I didn't see. And so all of that is is a long way of saying uh, not the ideal experience to watch a Rory victory, but I think I've pretty much pieced together what happened and, and you know, can assert here on this podcast that it was an unbelievably gutty, impressive victory from our guy, the rib gutty week from our guy, Robert McIntyre as well, which I know we'll get to, but uh, that that's a lot. Let me flip it back to you. What what stuck to you so much? Well, let's just go through the play by play here for people that uh, did not have the CBS Sports app up and running uh, early on this Sunday morning in the United States, or maybe didn't catch the replay version uh, on television. Listen, we call it Hamsterdam for a reason, Deej. You can't let your coverage take seep into our golf show here. All right, we got to set you're that right. aside. You're right. You're all right, we're not going to do that here today. All right, but uh, Bobby McIntyre was awesome. He played awesome, awesome golf. He eagled the 10th hole after hitting it to about six feet from 203. Uh, he hit this just brilliant, proper shot into the par 314th and made the 12-footer. Uh, then he laid back off the tee. We saw a couple guys mess up the 15th hole, either driving it too close to that fairway bunker that was like at 385 or something like that. Tommy Fleetwood drove one way down there and messed up the wedge shot. I saw guys just not having control of their spin. He lays back off that tee to hit a full shot in and get the proper spin to stuff one in there. Birdie's 15. He gets up to 18 and the wind is absolutely howling. I mean, this was, they moved tee times up for this wind, which we can talk about, but for as far as I can remember, at least for a Sunday at Renaissance for as long as it's been there, I don't recall ever seeing it look like this. I don't require the shots that were required. I don't remember seeing the shots like this that were required down the stretch. And there was nowhere to hide on 17 exposed part of the golf course. And he steps up and hits the mega wipe way into the crowd. Uh, it, 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 a lot of people making the joke, if it was LACC, it still would have been in the fairway, but uh, way, way, way left, and somehow finds a walking path over there amongst all the Scottish home crowd. I'm just saying. <laughs> Let's not, come on, we're not I'm doing just that. Saying, it was crazy luck, that. crazy luck, but uh, he's back and forth on what to hit, and he steps up and hits lumber of some kind and just carves this low fade out of the rough. Uh, not a, not a bad lie, but incredible, incredible shot. It is home open, stuffs it in there to four feet and makes the birdie. And it looks like he might be winning the Scottish open. And it was awesome. He's walking off the 18th green crying just in tears after what just happened. And we didn't see that because we were in commercial. Of course, sorry, I had to get my one little part in there, but it's back to Rory who had the, had the 54 hole lead, had the 36 hole lead as well, I believe. And he just was kind of sputtering a little bit. He had to play in, in a lot of the worst of the wind. It just didn't seem to be really adding up for him. He shot two over 37 on the front nine, flips over and makes a birdie on 11, and then makes a uh, hits a bad, bad shot into 12, go, goes into pop bunker, hits it like 10 feet, and we hits the putt, and he doesn't think it's in. 
and it goes in. And that was not the only time that this happened on this day. Uh, he somehow makes par there and then turns around and makes a bomb birdie on the uh, 37-footer for birdie on 14. Missed an 8-foot birdie on 16, the par 5 that was playing back into the win. Uh, steps up and stuffed one. Awesome shot on the par 3, 17th, with a hole that was playing over par on the day. Hits it to 4.5 feet, makes the birdie. Gets to 18. The wind is whipping again for him. He's uncomfortable. He backs off, hits driver and get into the, the light rough down the left. And he goes back from 202, goes back for more club and just hits the shot like the shot. He hit the proper wind cheater, yet had it float. Like you said, uh, I've seen so many different angles from it. The angle from behind the green highlights just how uh, how he controlled his trage. The trage was a little late hitting the screen when you're watching it live. And as soon as I hit it, I was like, oh, oh, and it goes up, <laughs> rolls it up there to, to 10 feet, eight inches. And uh, weird stuff going on with coverage. We'll get to a horrible angle of the putt, but he hits the putt and he just like stands up as if he's missed the putt. And I don't know if it was wind. Or- First, he watches Tom Kim like, oh, yeah, six putt in front of him for, for about a uh, well, three putt, but felt like a six tried putt. to ice him a little bit, but. Uh, hits did not look like he hit a good putt. He didn't think he hit a good putt, and the wind blows it in the hole, I guess, and it goes in. He kind of sits back and laughs, and he wins the Scottish Open by a shot. And uh, again, I just left it like, dude, he's not going to ever accidentally make a putt in a major. He wants it so bad. Like, he would trade 20 of these wins for one more major, and he gets all the luck in the break uh, on top of some incredible play. But the luck in the breaks that he need to go win it by one shot. And uh, it's just kind of been the story of Rory's last decade. His first win in Scotland as yeah. well, which is kind of hard to believe. Yeah, I I, I don't think I'd fully re- first win in European soil in seven years, they said, which that? I get he doesn't play there a whole lot anymore. But um, man, that was that was a little bit shocking. I mean, I know not, not to take anything away from Rory. I know he's headed into a major, you know, as as seemingly the the favorite, although we can certainly talk about Scotty story of the day, Rory or, or Bobby Mack today. It's so weird how I can be all morning. Just as soon as I woke up, like, come on, Rory, let's get this done. Come on. <laughs> all right. Come on, Rory. Let's go. Let's go. And as soon as Bobby Mack uh, emerged, I was like, yeah, let him have this one, Rory. I mean, come on, this would be a pretty <laughs> damn cool story. Please. Like don't go rip his heart out after that charge. He made on the back nine hometown win uh just a delightful a deli- delightful bloke or so it would appear uh with Robert McIntyre and he just ripped his heart out but yeah it's it goes to show that there's just a lot of uh, some weird freaky phenowish stuff can happen you can play a great tournament and just get edged out by one shot and uh I, I was feeling it for McIntyre it really was Rory went up and hugged him afterwards I'm assuming to kind of sort of apologize for beating him by one shot I, I was looking forward to a playoff that'd have been a great playoff hole to go see awesome. and yeah, not to roll this right into a rollback take, but man, was it awesome to see some huge long irons, hybrids and woods uh, like being the deciding shots into the final hole. Like that's what made it impressive that they stuffed those shots because of how unlikely it was. I mean, I, I know everything changes when, you know, you're, you're different flights and different trajectories and different wind and different everything, but that had to be like a two forty club Rory was holding at the end there. And just stepping up and hitting that to ten, like figuring out a way to hit that to ten feet. I mean, there's nothing more impressive to me than when when kind of all the TrackMan stuff goes out the window, right? And it's almost like I know we've talked about this, and JT talked about it, you know, in our Kapalua video. And I just love getting pros going on this stuff. But when you can kind of just stand up there, and it's like it's not really a chart or it's not even math, really. You're just kind of looking at it, and you're like, I don't know, man, like. 
I know it says it should be this, but like my brain and my eye is just telling me it's this club and I, I don't, I can't really explain how I'm about to make it work. I'm just going to make it work. That's what that last shot felt like to me. And it's just, man, you don't get to see that enough on the PJ tour. And, and I don't like my mind doesn't go immediately to Rory when I think about the shots like that were acquired like that. But when I feel like he's at his best, when it is, that is the requirement of everyone. I, I don't, I haven't made that fully make sense, but like when Rory has to do that stuff, I feel like he can do it right when there's just when there when there's no like in the middle of like, do I need to play a stock shot or do I need to just feel something out when he's totally committed to feeling something out? He turns into a different kind of athlete. And I, I felt that's what I felt like we were watching all day. Like he was not ever trying to hit the high shot net ever trying to hit the PGA tour shot. He was in links mode the entire day. That's that's interesting to think about it that way. Do you, do you think that I know this is all speculation, but like. Do you think he's the kind of guy that can do that for four days? Or do you think he's the kind of guy that does that for a day? You know what I mean? Like he can almost like get out there and build his lead over the first three days playing like, hey, let's just play the numbers. I'm going to hit it better than everybody else. It's almost like, you know, I know we both watched a lot of Wimbledon today, but it's it's almost like, you know, the best player is just going to be there at the end of this over a big enough sample size. And then when you get to like that 18 hole shootout, it's almost like, okay, now let's let's start being an artist and let's start, you know, playing uh playing a little more artistic golf because I, I feel like over a 72 hole you know when we've seen like 72 hole tests set up that way it hasn't really gone great do you get what i'm you get what i'm getting at there not really i'm just my brain my own brain's <laughs> in a pretzel of like what to expect now because i we've just seen this to me like there's been so many majors over the last decade where rory comes in with this hype and expectation and it just it always like the air comes out of the balloon quickly right so how does he Maybe he had a little bit of a chance to roll up to this major with slightly little expect uh, less expectation. But when you win the week before and you won the last time the event was there, it's just all back. Like it's all there. And you could have won the last major. Yeah. And you've been playing just like historically good golf for like five years. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's going to be the dude rocking up there. I know. And it's all of all of what we've talked about. This dude just wants it really badly. We all want it for him really badly. And I don't think that's always a good thing for him. And uh, I, I don't know what to make of it. I, I, you're right. I, it's silly to sit here and pretend like this could possibly be a bad thing for Rory. It's great to see him, uh, you know, acclimated to the Scottish golf, play a proper day in these conditions that, you know, that required this. And, and I, I think it'd be different too, if it's no offense to, to anyone, of course, but it's different if it's Bob McIntyre and the emotional release of winning the Scottish open the week before major. That's when I think I might be like, ah, I don't know if I love him at, at yeah, Hoy Lake. That's true. I think Rory's pretty fucking good at, managing his time, managing his energy, managing like, you know, his, his output and what he says yes to and what he says no to, especially on these weeks. Like, I think, I think he'll be okay. I think, listen, I, if he doesn't win this week, I don't think it's, it's because he won it. Renaissance. Uh, a couple questions we got from, uh, ANGC, uh, burner, Augusta national golf club burner, who had some great tweets this week. If I may say, uh, why do y'all hate Re Renaissance so much? Seems like a cool place for attorney on TV. First of all, pronunciation, I think, is, yeah, is kind of ninety percent of it for me. Let me flip this one to you. I think you probably watched Damn more it. of it th than I did this week. I always I we do this every year, every year that the Scottish opens at Renaissance, which seems to be the case. And I always like struggle to get all the way there to describe it, but it's there's so much freaking amazing Lynx golf in that area and in Scotland in general. And this is just a bit of an imitation of Lynx golf. I mean, there's a lot of Tom Doak courses that I like, but he is not a, a preeminent Lynx golf designer. Like it just feels a little manufactured in a lot of places. 
when the wind bucked today, a lot of uh, the features were really accentuated. A lot of the shots started to make link sense a little bit of like, all right, now think about that bunker at 385, that run out, the strategy elements of playing the wind and and things like that kind of brought out the best of Renaissance that we've seen to this point, I think. But when it doesn't blow, it just is kind of meh. It, the whole thing's kind of meh. It doesn't invoke a lot of the same feelings I get about, you know, watching links golf. A lot of what we'll see at Liverpool is more subtle. It doesn't smack you in the face, but just the way that pro like bunkers are used to protect pins, to protect people just pounding driver in a lot of places is something that the, the best links courses bring out more than Renaissance does. It, it, Am I am I conjuring anything? Any any feelings in in your mind? Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I I would need to check the tape, so uh, if someone could feel free to check the tape for me. But I don't think I've ever really bashed on this place too hard. I think it's like you said. I think it's more wind and conditions related than anything. I feel like it's it's played a little like I feel like it's played weirdly soft, or maybe that's just the wind wasn't blowing and it felt a little softer in years past. And that doesn't you know the ball doesn't feel like it's on the ground as much. It feels like it's it's kind of played. A little more through the air than than what we'll see this week at at Hoylake, and I, I just I've I've never walked. I guess maybe the way to say it is like other than eighteen, and I guess seventeen. Like I can't really name that many holes from there, and we've gone there quite a few times, right? And I, I just it just kind of walks away as like pretty forgettable to me, at least yeah. on TV, right? And and that's a lot of golf courses, and I'm sure that. You know, if I went and played it and saw it in person, I would feel totally different, and I I never have. So very much both hands up uh, by me there. I need to I need to go see it in person, but it's uh, it doesn't bother me. It's it's not offensive to me. It's a it's a warm up for the Open, which it should be, right? It's like would would I prefer that they went you know a couple miles down the road and played North Berwick? Sure, hmm. is that realistic? No, no. Like it's you know Gullen was good. They they had it at Gullen right down the street. That yeah. that's like. Proper old school links, right? And yeah. there's, I mean, there's a million reasons why. I mean, it, uh, literally like tens of millions of reasons why. Like it's a, it's a money thing. This is the, the club wants to host this tournament, is willing to host this tournament. It has the infrastructure capabilities, all the reasons that pro golf ends up like at, like one of the reasons things I love about this week is the social media we get out of people going to go play the real links golf around right. it. It is, it seems like it's kind of this artificial uh, stage where they're going to go have this, this competition on, but the, the best of it is all in the surrounding parts of it. And uh, it, 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 it's so weird. I, I can't fully get behind it. I would rather watch them play a lot of other golf courses uh, in Scotland, but like I said, this was the best we've seen it. And if, if the wind blows it, a lot of what we want to see at Lynx golf does happen and guys look silly hitting wedges and, uh, and, and can't figure stuff out and place strategies wrong and uh, different bunkers come into play, but I just don't think it's a brilliantly designed golf course. It's, it's just very, very meh to me. I think maybe just kind of dotting one more eye as we're talking about Rory and we're talking about what you just said about all the wind and things blowing and everything. A lot of, a lot of talk on this podcast and others about, uh, about Rory being, you know, more of a thrower than a pitcher, a lot of conversation about him, you know, being a, a daft American golfer these days. I just want to say that's not the guy we saw today. No. So for all the haters and losers of which there are many, uh, I, I would encourage you to do like I did and go track down some, illegal stream replay of uh of that back nine because it was impossible to find and watch what we saw out there because there were some very different golf shots man and that's the guy that everybody hopes to see and that's the guy we saw so he's in there man he, he is absolutely in there led the field in strokes gained t to green this week was best ball striker in the field and got some 
by his own, and I haven't heard him say it, but by the laughing that he was doing after a couple of these putts, I would assume by his own admission, some lucky putts, uh, which just, yeah, it feels like, gosh, it was the wrong week to burn it. It really was the wrong <laughs> week to burn it, but um, obviously a very, very good sign. So uh, it was just great to watch some proper conditions today. I, I And you know what? Like, was a, a little bit like upsetting, and I know TC's not here to defend himself for this one, but like, it was a day that like screamed Tommy Fleetwood. It was his way to backdoor a PGA tour win by having it be in Scotland and have it be a co-sanctioned event in conditions that he should thrive in. Like he is built for this exact condition and he went out and shot two over par today and uh, it was available there for him. And he was, he had some very poor wedges and just did not seem to have his best stuff today. Um, it's a, it's a final round thing, man. It's totally a thing. He has played awesome golf this year. Uh, full credit to him. He's been way more in contention. He is, like by all accounts back, like he is back to being a world-class player that he kind of, he definitely dipped on there for a few years, but this fourth round thing is great. While I love watching the vision fund crash and burn is, is just tough to watch. Cause I still love rooting for Tommy Fleetwood here, here. I, I don't have anything to add, man. I mean, what, you know, I, I hate to kick a guy while he's down in, in TC, of course that is. <laughs> and, uh, I, I just, I don't know what else, you know, I don't know what you can say that hasn't been said hundreds and hundreds of times at this point. So, uh, you know, you hate it. You hate to see it. You, you kind of love to see it. <laughs> Not because of Tommy. <laughs> Not because of Tommy. Just because of the the acolytes that have hitched their wagon to him. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I need TC to get in there and start like, you know, I think between some of the, uh, you know, Rory, some of these putts that went in, I think there needs to be some conspiracies floating out there about the PJ Tour rigging this thing for, for Rory victory. Co-sanctioned Scottish Open. You know the the Pied Piper of the PJ Tour wins. I th- I'd like to see TC just start to go that route and just embrace full on conspiracies. I think and the there was was it a rogue Scottish fan then that set up uh, Robert McIntyre with that could have been yeah could have maybe miscommunication maybe they they didn't know you know both Taylor made golf balls I would assume they didn't get maybe the script they, yeah yeah didn't, flowing around just yeah. a little confusion some cross wires maybe that should be one of the Livebots next bits that's what I'm it's, saying is that there's all a fake. script on this that yeah exactly. That, that would be one of the more believable bits that they could come up with. Uh, it's been a t- tough week for that one. They were just good. Yeah. I thought about floating that one out there and just, you know, with some of the audio glitches that were out there, maybe it was, maybe it was Soundstage. fake. Maybe it was all done in a soundstage. We got a lot of this AI stuff going on with the writer strike. You know, maybe Rory went in for his one day as, as an extra, they scanned his face and now they can just, you know, kind of use him in perpetuity for all these, all these fake victories. We can take that offline certainly, but I think it's something that I've, I've got my finger on the pulse of. We can guarantee if that was the case that Excel was involved in it. That's the only <laughs> thing that we, goes all the way to the top. <laughs> that's the only thing we can guarantee. <laughs> a few more uh, leaderboard notes. Uh, Scotty Scheffler just doesn't really seem to have it going right now. I know. Um, I hated seeing that. Was beat by multiple golfers this <laughs> week. Uh, two of them, in fact. And um, dipped all the way to second in strokes gained T to green this past week. Um, he made only made 468 K for his T three finish, which uh, lowers his average earnings per start this year uh, as he is over $19 million uh, earned so far uh, on the broke ass PGA tour that doesn't pay <laughs> its players well enough. Um, now hasn't finished outside the top five since the heritage and hasn't finished outside the top 12 since the CJ cup in October. And if we're not counting silly season events, he hasn't finished outside the top 12 since the playoffs last year, since like Memphis or something, he missed the cut. So, um, 
Ben, uh, well, I mean, yeah, his putting was was is what it is. T sixty two lost two and a, like two point two strokes uh, on the greens this week, so it wasn't quite that. If he just putted average, he would have won this week, but he would have uh, finished solo third if he had putted average. But Ben on Nikolai Hoygaard and David Lingmurth are in the final three spots into the Open Championship. Got to shout out my guy David Lingmurth had missed the cut in nine of his had either withdrawn or missed the cut in nine of his last ten starts. He's been battling some back injuries. Goes, makes the trip across the pond, shoots 66-68 in the worst of the conditions over the weekend uh, and plays his way into the Open Championship. So congrats to him. What a grinder, man. I, I would lo- I would pay, uh, maybe not a lot, but I would pay some money to just see all, all 18 holes of his, his round today. Like, just show me commentary of, like, what club, what yardage, what everything. I, I would love to just watch a 30-minute supercut of David Lingmurth's round from today. A lot of, like you said, just five iron from 155, a lot of drivers rolling out to 260. A lot like just truly like, hey, what what would it look like if if you got every part of your game to click in a PJ tour event? Like th- that's what it would be out there. It would be David Lingmurth's round today. And that's it's so awesome when he plays well, man. It's it's just it's almost unfathomable. His drive on 18 went 233 yards. He left himself <laughs> 223 in uh, into the wind. But he also drove the 13th green today, which was playing down when he drove it 343 yards uh, to 20 feet and two putted for birdie there after hitting a, a very poor putt, if I may say on the first putt. But uh, yeah, it was just proper golf. It was fun watching dudes hit, you know, four irons on uh, on the par three on the back nine. I'm drawing a blank on what the number is right now. It is the 14th hole. Um, watching I Rory hit six iron today and kind of miss hit it. And he was yelling at it to go and it barely did get there. But Tom Kim hit four iron, watching other guys hit five irons. It's just uh, put me in a good links mood. Had me checking the forecast for this upcoming week. Doesn't look like we're going to get that kind of wind over again. We might see some gusts around 20 miles an hour. But Which, if, honestly, at this point, might be a good thing since we can't even like play golf when it's windy, anyways, because the greens are so fast. Yeah, the greens were only like a nine this week. Um, really? And, uh, that's what we were told. Like by the end of by Sunday, they were only up at nine, and I guess they had not cut them since Friday. I hope I have that right in anticipation of the weather they got uh, this weekend. But what did you think of of moving the uh, moving the tee times up for the uh, the wind that was coming this afternoon? I, I I mean, it's kind of the classic like fence sitting difference between like practicality and and what I would like to see, right? Where it's like do I ever want to see a tournament moved because of wind in fucking Scotland? Like, no, <laughs> that's kind of what we wait the whole year for is, is like biblical conditions and watching these guys figure it out. And all the things that we praised at the top of the show that we just love when all the, you know, the yardage book numbers go out the window and you, you're just kind of feeling it out there. Like that's by far the most fun to golf to watch. But also by the time they got to 18 balls are rolling around and you know, they're not staying still and it would have been, you know, six hour rounds of golf. And then if it goes to Monday, now all of a sudden you're pushing into open championship prep, which is a net negative, I would say. And so it's like, I, I get why it happened. I guess if it was the open, maybe I'd feel a little stronger, but if, if it's kind of a prelude to the open, I, I don't know, maybe I guess, I guess it is what it is and they got to keep things moving. It just, it's just kind of a bitter pill to swallow, but I understand swallowing it, I suppose. I, I think I'd be more upset if they moved it up into a time period that didn't have wind. I mean, they yeah. had proper wind right. today. There was no like easier conditions. I think it's just if you if you got to a point at any point where uh, finishing was in danger. I mean, you have a lot of daylight this time of year. 
So you move it up to the morning, and if you got a delay middle, like they were close to having a delay near the end, I would think. I mean, Tom Kim's putt on 18 started rolling away from him as Rory's getting ready to putt for the win. And if more golf start, had to happen at different parts of the golf course during that part of the day, I could have seen a situation where they would have had to call it. So you got to move it up. In the grand scheme of things, this tournament's not important compared to what's about to happen. Like Monday finish is not an option. It's just not under no circumstances because it's like Monday at a major championship is a big deal. It's a big deal from the jump and you cannot let a PGA tour event or DP world tour event roll into major championship week at all, at all costs. Like again, green speeds are out of control in golf and have been for quite some time as a way to combat distance gains. Like it's another trickle down effect of all of the stuff that we've talked about for a long time. And, I thought they did a decent job managing it. Um, I think those greens there are a little funkier uh, than than a lot of links greens. A lot of links greens are flat and and designed to play in a lot of uh, hostile winds, and these are not. And it, pro golfers aren't used to playing on on slow greens, so uh, it's less than perfect. It's not ideal, but uh, I don't know. It's really hard to fault it in, if you ask me because we, we saw it at the end. Roy's hat blew off during the trophy ceremony. Like there's such a thing as too much wind to play golf in at the highest level, and that was probably pretty close to it. Agree. I want to give a shout out to our friends at Roback. These guys understand quality. There's only one way to describe them. Best fit, best feel. We are mid-summer. It is the perfect time to load up on the best gear that we own. Their performance polos, they hit different. It's got a lot of great USA themes. Uh, look, we're a little late for for some of our July, you know, our, our most patriotic holidays, but anytime in the summer, you want to be wearing some stars and stripes. They got classic looks. The polos are clean. Four-way stretch and moisture-wicking fabric. They will get you through a warm summer day on the course. The performance hoodies are great when you're inside at the AC or if you live somewhere it's a lot cooler uh, than Florida. Do you get cool nights? Are you, are you Can you wear hoodies at night in the summer? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Stretchiest, softest hoodies in golf. You, if you want to be comfortable and relaxed on the course, wear a rowback hoodie. And then the performance Q-zips are a game changer. Uh, nothing beats rocking a Q-zip for an early round of golf. They're soft, they're stretchy, comfortable. Uh, wear them all the time. We go everywhere we go. We see that subtle dog logo or the two-stripe ridge on the back. And you can use code NLU at Roback.com for 20% off your first order through the end of this week. R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. 20% off polos, Q-zips, hoodies, and more with code NLU. Summer is calling. Make sure to check them out now. You want to do a little Amsterdam? Is it time now? Right, before we get to Amsterdam, <laughs> are we in a safe place? Is this a safe space? Uh, we'll see. I think I'm done with the Tyrrell Hatton thing. I, hmm. I'm done with the whole shtick. It, it, it's, it's been kind of entertaining at times. It's kind of fun to play the role of, oh, just throw a mic on him. We don't have to say anything. And like, all right, dude, I don't need you yelling like "fuck you" at the hole when you miss a 40 foot putt when the wind is whipping 30 miles an hour. Like everyone's playing in these conditions. They were not outrageous. It's just he's flicking off the hole. It's too much. It's 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 past being entertaining to me, and I think I'm kind of done with the shtick. It's not it's not working for me anymore. Well, I I appreciate you saying that. I think it's a brave block to be on, possibly an unpopular block. I think I I certainly get a thrill out of uh, out of watching it. I, I think you know if you're a pro golfer, pro golf's very boring. I, I think I'd rather somebody miss on the high side, right? Sure. I, I I I see where you're coming from, but I'm going to encourage him to. Possibly keep swearing even more, you know. I think I think keep pushing it further and further. It's not and swearing. It's like you don't. I, you, there's no possible chance that this is all someone else's fault. Every sure. missed putt, just total exasperation, just uh, blaming something, getting mad at something. And I know it's like a coping mechanism for him or whatever he wants to describe. But dude, it's tired now. It's just yeah. not. It's not that. It, it's gone from funny to not that funny anymore. Never, never like playing with that guy. 
right? No. The, the guy who's like throwing clubs and blaming everything else like that. That if I was in the group, I think I would be just right deeply over it. But I think as a fan, when I you know you know see it maybe once a day, once every, once every couple rounds, once every couple tournaments, I, you know I'm in. But I, I see I certainly see where you're coming from. All right. Well, I just. O'Neal Maddie said, do you know if there's anything we can do to arrange for Tyrrell Hatton to take a flight with Ernie Els? It's about time <laughs> get his ass someone took him to task for behaving like a complete chode. <laughs> do we think he purposely plays it up to the cameras now? It's uh, interesting. It's, is he eligible for the PIP? I would think like yeah, he would be, right? Remember? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I don't think that's quite working for him. But Yeah, I agree. Listen, I, I, I'm kind of past the point of, of caring who we direct the blame at. At this point, uh, coverage sucked this morning. It was not good. Um, I want to start it with this. I, for, from what you've gathered from your sources, from the people you know, from the, where you see the future of the game, do you, do you think the game will continue to be played outdoors? <laughs> uh, I mean, this is hard. That's a hard, you're really pinning me, pinning me to the wall, making me make a take on this one. But I mean, honestly, if you want to get into some of the TGL stuff and uh, we, <laughs> we can, we can certainly have a conversation. I don't think it's a non-zero chance, but I would say largely you're going to pin me down. I'm going to say, yes, it, it will be outdoors. So there's probably going to be scenarios where sure. they have to move the tee times around. Yeah, likely. And they probably still plan to broadcast these events. Right. Do I understand that properly? Do I have that sequence? I think, of events I think right? that's right. So we we have this thing now that happens when often happens in the summer, especially when there's storms and a lot more stuff seems to happen with weather where tea times have to be moved. And it is a complete joke to try to find the ways to watch the golf when that happens. Like there was no way to watch live golf, the live finish of the Scottish Open on your television today. Like you had to have the CBS Sports app. And like, listen, for the diehards out there, it's not that hard to find. We, you know... This is not the first go around we've had of this. This literally happened at the Rocket Mortgage. Like we we know how to do that, but if there's ever any hope for this game to grow, then literally there's people like like they're trying to watch Rory win a golf tournament today and can't find it. Like imagine to me, I wanted to go like watch Wimbledon. I know that's a Grand Slam event and that's different. Whatever. It was pretty easy for me to find that today. Like, and I'm not <laughs> a, really a tennis fan. Imagine like a non golf fan, be like, oh yeah, I want to kind of I'm gonna see if Rory can do this. Like, yeah, you got to download the CBS Sports app after you got to download. You know, it's not on the Peacock app, not on the PGA Tour app, blah, blah, blah. It's you have to find. It's just such a joke, man. And it was a commercial fest. And I, I guess the CBS had to have the, the world feed. And there was some major disconnects, I felt like, between the commercial load and the energy flow. They messed up a bunch of audio. Uh, it was it was just a, a mess. This This morning was a total mess, and I hated every second of it. Yeah, I haven't haven't done much research as far as like how they staffed it or any of that stuff. But Nance, you know, felt like he was five thousand miles away. I'm guessing that's because he was. I don't know if he actually was on site or not, but he just really felt felt very very far away and distant and like he was calling it on a computer. Um, and it just yeah, it just wasn't wasn't good. And I, I'm sure there are myriad reasons. And like every Monday morning, I'm sure we'll hear about them tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow morning, I'm sure they'll f- flood our inbox. Uh, and I'm but not, again, I'm not even like I don't know who to. It may not be CBS's fault, but like PGA Tour, everyone involved, all the networks and everything, all the contracts that you guys signed, that everyone like came up with this plan to cover golf. That's who I blame. Like I, I don't care where the blame lies. I really don't. I'm not trying to assign it. Can we just listen to golf fans that are desperately trying to tell you? 
all we literally want to do is watch your sport on television. Okay. And yes, the weather is going to throw things for a loop every now and then. What was the point of tying hands behind your back with these contracts if that, if you can't like do the most basic thing that sports fans are asking you to do? Especially, and I know this is gross oversimplification for many reasons, but especially when you you just have a channel called the Golf Channel, <laughs> tough. That's only supposed to be there to broadcast golf tournaments, uh, and just not being able to like flex to that whenever you need to flex to that is is brutal. And this archaic idea that you're just going to have people watch tape delayed coverage eight hours later, and it, it's just. It's all know, greed. It all it's sucks. all just ad sales and all this bullshit. That's yeah. all this fluff numbers that are all still driven by the sixty-five-year-old people that nap on their couch and watch golf on CBS. That somehow, which I would think are going to watch either way, right? Isn't right. that like the whole point? Yes. Is they're going to watch CBS either way? So who cares yeah. if it's on Golf Channel earlier in the morning? Yeah, I can hear somebody saying like, "No, you don't understand. Like, we don't care. Like, we're going to yeah. get the rating, the minimum rating, to be able to sell ads and make money for our shareholders. That's the bull. It's just why? Why does CBS have to have this event? Like if NBC's going over to broadcast the Open Championship, and again, I don't no pretend I don't know. to know. Like, you, we, there's no need to have two different networks covering this one. Like the the two the UK swing. Yeah, I have no idea how it works. I don't know if there's minimums with like the number of network, like the number of events each network has, and if maybe some of that got jostled around with majors, or maybe it was women's majors, or maybe it was I, I don't the know the American know Century it, Championship. That's yeah, literally yeah. probably why. Probably. They yeah, had they had, they had it surrounded this week. <laughs> that's what the that's what the press release said that the NBC will surround the American Century Championship this week. Congrats! In a week that there's two PGA Tour events uh, and an LP. Sort of, and that's a whole other conversation about. The, I don't know if we want to get into the Barbasol or not, but the, this week it really just I kind of slammed into the median on on that one of like, man, if I'm not watching fucking Senate hearings and the Barbasol, <laughs> like we're, we've got too much. There's too much fucking shit on me at this point. I can't breathe. Uh, we're just not, we're not doing that. So I, I'm, I'm not going to be really acknowledging the Barbasol. I don't think beyond, beyond this rant. I think there's plenty of like, Oh, but DJ, that's where the good stories are. And that's where these guys are just grinding. Try- I'm like, you know what? We, we, we lost that privilege just years ago here with with all this other extraneous bullshit that's going on we just can't do both it's impossible it's impossible and all these guys are fighting for a tour that we don't even know if it's going to exist <laughs> like so 12 true. months from now like who who fucking cares at this point and all due respect i know you know deepest apologies to everybody in the field i know it's a big deal to win a pj tour event but like man you gotta see this from my perspective i just i can't do it i can't do it i won't do it that's uh, a a concerningly good point about whether or not this tour will even exist uh, in the near future. But these guys are fighting for cards on what fucking tour? Who knows? (laughs) Who knows, man? How am I supposed to care about any of this? Uh, I'm like trying to care about the top 50 for the, you know, the, we've got the playoffs and BMW and all worried about relegation. This is going to lead to designated events. And Oh my God, this is going to change everything for 24. Who fucking knows? I don't know about any of it. We don't know what any, what's going to happen with any of it. Like, how does any of this have any context whatsoever, which all I know sounds depressing, but is all just like a, a big, large point to to just flash again in the brightest possible lights. The only thing that matters is the majors. And I've never cared more in my life about who wins the Open than I do like right now. Yeah. And I've never cared less about who wins or what is the Barbasol than I do right now. I'm just I'm not. I'm done, man. I, I don't. I don't think we can. We can have all this stuff going on at once. It's 
it's just impossible. Definitely at this point of the year. Again, once majors start, I, I still I will stand for the January through March part of the PGA sure. Tour season. Like I I can genu I'm genuinely interested in that. Like I want to see how that shakes out. Uh, I like Heritage. I think Memorial has its has its time, but like once the majors hit, it's seriously hard to get excited about a lot of it. Um, I think I was weirdly excited for the playoffs this year, and that has faded. That's what I'm saying. Now, well, now we don't even like. Right. I'm with you. That's where like the whole when there's context to yeah. what these events mean, it, it changes everything, right? Yeah. Where it's like when it was a big deal to say like, hey, whoever's top fifty after. I guess it would be after going into BMW, right? Like after the first playoff event, whoever's top 50, that makes a huge difference because they're into all the designated events for 24. And now like I can get behind all of that. And like that makes the chase for all of this make a lot more sense. And it makes whoever's going to rock it up the rankings at the Barbasol. Like, oh man, now that at least there's a reason to care where it's like, yeah, they might get into the top 50 for, you know, for next season but now it's like who knows what that's uh, players mean, yeah. are pissed at jay and is jay even around what's going on with that what does 24 look like how are the live players coming back it, maybe it's just all live maybe it's maybe live is the only thing that's gonna go on. it's like i guess just kind of wake me up at, at some point like wake me up kind of when it's when it's over and we know what's going on if i can help you at that point i i would be surprised at this point if there wasn't PJ tour going as planned next year and live going as planned for next year. Like, I don't think this is getting sure. through. I would also be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if live totally goes away. I wouldn't be surprised if I'd be surprised they totally if rework everything. I would like right now. I'd be surprised if it went away for next year. I do not think they can get a deal done in time. Like, I don't think they're getting it through no. justice Department. I just don't, I that's, they seem really far away from actually getting this thing done. And I'd be surprised if live was gone. I'd be surprised if it existed past 24, but I would also be surprised if it didn't make it to 24. Backing up all that, I still think the Scottish Open blueprint is great. Uh, the co-sanctioned yeah. event between the PGA Tour and DP World Tour makes all the sense in the world. Coverage, whatever, aside from whatever the world feed and the ever the disconnect is, getting it the relay back to the States. Uh, it's great seeing like Robert McIntyre would not be going up against Roy McIlroy if that wasn't a co-sanctioned event because he plays, he is not a PGA Tour member, does not play on the PGA Tour. Um, and just seeing some some other names, Grant Forrest, Jordan Smith, Ewan Ferguson, uh, they're in the top 12 that are DP World Tour guys. Just a good mix. Points, points happen on the FedEx Cup and the race to Dubai at the same time. I think it has a ton of potential, and I want to see more of these. I want to see a swing in the UK. I, I want the Irish Open lined up against this. I want that to be co-sanctioned and have all the guys play in that one. Uh, I don't know what they got to do to get it done. I'm sure there's all the reasons why it doesn't happen, but it just makes too much sense. It really does. And this is one of the best couple week stretches of the year of golf. Totally agree with, with all of that. I'm, I'm fully on board. This segment brought to you by our friends at BMW, a worldwide partner of the 2023 Ryder Cup. BMW will be electrifying the Ryder Cup with a fully electric fleet of vehicles for players and officials this September. Hope that includes us. I hadn't thought about that. I'm mm. hoping we, we can hitch a ride in some of those things. But That'd be great. Let's start with Team Europe here. Let's take a look in. This is our July look in at the standings, at what we think is going to shake out. I've reached out to a couple people just to see what they think uh, on where things are going to go. I'm just going to read you the standings. So if you don't know how this works, the top three players will qualify from the European points list. This is uh, only European Tour, DP World Tour events that count for this. The top three currently are Rory, Rom, and Big Shot Bob McIntyre after this week. He is up eight spots. 
from 11th into third. So he's in the last qualifying spot right now. The, the four behind him are Yannick Paul, uh, DJ's guy, Adrian Moronk, a.k.a. the big Moronkowski. Uh, Rasmus Hoygaard is sixth, and Victor Perez is seventh. Um, I'll, we can get into some of that. I think it just a, a noteworthy thing is where I could see Europe being vulnerable is the third spot on that list getting grabbed by one of the guys there that you know may fall out of form by that time. But uh, the next three that are not qualified on the Euro points list um, come from the world points list, which is all the golf worldwide. Those three spots are now Victor Hovland, Tyrrell Hatton, and Fitzpatrick. So again, the six spots, if I'm reading them off, Rory, Rom, McIntyre, Hovland, Hatton, and Fitzpatrick will be the six auto qualifiers right now. That leaves on the outside looking in Tommy Fleetwood, Sepp Straka, uh, Shane Lowry, Justin Rose, Adrian Moronk is, is uh, also there on the world points list, and Seamus Power uh, would be uh, making up the rest of that world points list. What are you doing if you're up here right now? How are you feeling if you're up? And what, what, is your, what does your team look like if you are uh, Luke Donald? I, I feel I feel cautiously optimistic. I feel like I, you know, if, if this is a little slider, right, like you're you're kind of like, how do you feel? Uh, it, if that's a slider starting in January, I think it was slid way, way, way further towards the U.S. Uh, than it maybe is now on January 16th or 17th, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, I do feel like the, the Euro team's kind of taken shape a little bit. I, I, I kind of put together... Like I guess it'd be like my one to twelve, and we can get into like the different points lists and kind of how they how they shake out. But this is kind of my like one to twelve, I, I guess, power rankings of of how they how they're going to shake out. Would you like me to read them? Absolutely. Number one, Rory. Number two, Rom. Those are interchangeable, obviously. Number three, Hovland. Four, Hatton. Five, Fitzpatrick. Six, Fleetwood. Seven, Lowry. I think quietly playing like pretty solid golf like very high floor right now even though he hasn't really made a lot of noise uh number eight unfortunately team rose number nine uh i got sep straka coming off his his win at the john deere playing pretty good golf drives it really straight i think just kind of a good course fit uh number 10 i don't know if he's gonna make it on either of those points lists but i think moronk is is in i really like him i think he's played great at marco simone uh just feels like a great Great fit, new young blood. Number eleven, give me big shot, Bob. I know it's like, you know, I know it's recency bias. I know it's it's a lot of things, but I do feel like there there is something. I'm gonna sound like Tron here, but there's there's something about when you get into this part of the season and you know that like every start counts towards the Ryder Cup, and you just you have to show up. And I love seeing him show up in a really freaking big way today. I thought that was that was a blast. He's won at Marco Simone in the past. Uh, I think he won the Italian Open what last year out there. And so you know, I, I love to see it again. It's it's one of those guys that seems like everybody loves him. Seems like it'd be a great kind of you know locker room guy, as stupid as that is, but a good guy to pair with, and you know, just kind of an exciting one. Number twelve. Who do you think I'm going with? Ludwig. Number twelve is Ludwig. For sure. My, of my team. And I think we've talked about this a lot in the past. And it's like, do you want to gear towards young blood or do you want to gear towards, you know, the numbers and the stats and all of those things? Uh, certainly that's Luke Donald's choice and, and the analysts that he works with and all of that. But I, I think like, man, if you're building towards the future and you're building towards trying to make another superstar and trying to make another Victor Hovland and trying to make another, 
you know, Fleetwood and Fitzpatrick and these guys that I know Fitzpatrick hasn't played great in the Ryder Cup, but you you know what I'm saying. You're trying yeah, he's to a new player now. Yeah, you're trying cool. to build a, a future kind of monster in these events. Like, do I think it's Yannick Paul? I don't. Do I think it's Victor Perez? I don't. Do I think it's one of the like Rasmus Hoygaard? Maybe, but like I legitimately think Ludwig's floor is kind of as high as as high as a lot of these guys, right? And I think his ceiling is way higher. And there's just some irrational confidence that happens to these guys when they first come out of college. Ludwig hasn't missed a cut on the PGA Tour, which is fucking unbelievable. Until this week. Until this week. Sorry, Data Golf hadn't updated yet, but. It's it's unbelievable to come out and like just start swinging like a lot of these guys do, and I think harnessing that and and just getting that on the team is is nothing but good. I mean, I think that twelve spot it's kind of a kind of a crapshoot, anyways. I know Billy Bean and uh, you know Moneyball is going to tell me differently, and you're just scrapping and clawing for for every every bit of uh, you know don't experience and and stuff. But that's that's where I'm going with. Dude, Ludwig's number nine on my list. Like, he's really? not even 12. No, he's not 12 spot. Like, no way. Absolutely not. I mean, my my list goes Rom, Rory, Hovland, Hatton, Fitz, Tommy, Lowry, Rose is the top eight. I think that's, I don't think anyone's yep. going to have that. Same with you. Yeah, same with me. Ludwig is a no-brainer. Like, there's no, there's no, almost nothing he could do between now and then that I wouldn't want to take him on the team. Like, the talent is obvious. And you are not going to have four other guys beat down the door and play that go to golf that have as high of a ceiling and could have the week he possibly has. And it's going to be a huge part of the future of this team as as Aberg is. There's there's he's 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 dying to get to the Ryder Cup. He's so old. He's never been a part of one of these teams. Like it's time True to get him Scotty Scheffler situation. Yeah, it's time to get him in one of these. It look, I, I don't even think it's a discussion at this point, really, because looking back on this. They're going to look so dumb like, by 2025, uh, like because he's going to be probably be one of the top ten players in the world by that point. That that they didn't have him on this team when they had an underdog team and they had no one that they just don't have the depth. Like, it, 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 would Ludwig make the U.S. team? Is an interesting question right now. Like right. that would be a close call, but he's that level talent, and he just you know if he had enough starts to get it to get it done, he would uh, take care of it. So. He's you, ninth. Let, let me yeah. pause you there. Do you think that's going to happen though? We've seen very stupid decisions made I do. In, in the past year. It's it's not it, we're in a different era, man, of of you can't the you can't hide the numbers that he's already come up with in terms of how he drives the golf ball. Like this is going to be a driving contest is and it's not the accuracy contest that Le Golf National was. Like this is based on the the number crunching that I've seen. It's a combo of power and, and accuracy. We're rewarded around the same amount. Whereas the golf national was way down in power in distance and way up in accuracy. Right. So you got to do both those things. He is long and accurate dude. like, put him on the team. If he has a good iron week and good wedge week and good putting week, he's going to do some serious damage. So that's over. Um, I'm putting Adrian Moronk in that 10 spot right now. Winning at the Italian open definitely sealed the deal uh, for that one. I hate pointing to the peak weeks. I think it's a major flaw. A ton of people have in, in filling out these, fictitious teams that don't really matter anyways it is win and get in scn which is a bit of a it's tough they were saying i'm surely robert mcintyre's locked up a Ryder cup spot with his performance this week it's like yeah i mean guys like he's he's been a below average professional golfer for for the season i mean let's let's not one week doesn't snap you into automatically be, uh having one of those spots so if we're going next week i'm taking robert mcintyre coming off this week and given his history at the at this golf course at marco simone um, so I would put him in 11. I, I would, res- I'm reserving though, the final two spots 
until we get closer because it, it can cycle many many times well that's no fun i know uh, but you i'm gonna give you the names that. but like yeah okay i'm not saying i'm 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 fully committed to taking big shot bob uh to to marco simone but um last spot i same justification as uh the ludwig one i'm going nikolai hoygaard hmm. um no sep straka no i i don't know how you how you trust him i really don't it's so up and down it uh i know he just i mean it was very interesting that you you kind of led there, like how you're good you're feeling about Team Europe after you know citing the win at the John Deere as a big tiebreaker <laughs> there. Like that's great. Like that was a great final round and a great performance. But like I don't know why that means more than the T64, T38, and cut uh, in the three sure. weeks before that. That cut being at the U.S. Open on a relatively mm. uh, big stage. I know he finished T7 at the Master or at the PGA this year. That's obviously a great finish. But I just I don't know. I, I don't know if I trust him. The accuracy is an interesting thing. Maybe they bring him on the team to play a specific role when it comes to foursomes and 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 you know the accuracy holes or whatever that I haven't worked out how that's going to work. But uh, still, would need to see more from Sep. I think he's on the radar, but uh, would need to see a little bit more. Pretty similar teams. I think so. I love it. That's exciting. Um, I asked uh, Jamie. He has uh, Jamie Weir, Jamie, of course, of Sky Weir. Sports. Uh, his final two spots are Sep Straka and Bob McIntyre. Um, so he was. Uh, the same exact team as you, I believe. So really with Moronk, uh, Ludwig, Straka and McIntyre filling out the bottom. So, which I know that's hard for him to trim that down to just 12 players. Cause he wants to take, <laughs> he wants to take about 35 guys there. Is the U S side as fun as team Europe right now to, to figure uh, out? Uh, I think there's a little bit of fun down towards the bottom. Just if you really, depending on how much weight you want to put on current form. Right. So I think we could probably go blow for blow here. I, I, I'd be curious. Did you do one through 12 as well? I, Yes, I think so. I'll, I can do it on the spot. Okay, number one, number one, Scotty. obviously can't lay. I know Scotty. Number one, I put Brooks at number two just because yep. he's I think gonna that, be on team. Yep, feels right. Uh, can't lay Xander. Whatever choice, whatever option you want to put them in three and four. Uh, I think Wyndham Clark at five. I think a big Dick Rick at six. Wow. Uh, just because we're look now, we're starting to get into current form SZN, and I think we're looking at. Spieth JT and our our beloved Max and Morikawa. It's like it's not not be great. Max is starting to show a little more form, which is which is exciting. And uh, you know, I certainly wouldn't mind another another scare of another W for for our guy. Uh, it's been a little bit of a lean lean summer for Max, but Spieth, you know, Spieth's been fine. JT's been not kind of totally MIA. Morikawa, a little bit of injury, flashed a little bit of form, but not great. Uh, so that that I think that's what made me put Ricky ahead of all those guys just because he, you know, until I bet on him, seems like he can't lose. Ricky's been the second uh, best American in strokes gained over the last three months, only to Scotty Scheffler. Like yeah. it's, he's going to be on this team like, and, unless it totally falls apart, but he, he was already going to be on it before winning the rocket mortgage. And that was a, a deal sealer in, in pretty much everyone's eyes. I have to think you got any, any changes to those top 10 or you feel solid there. Was that 10 names already? That was 10. Okay. If you include JT, Spieth, Morikawa and Homa. Yeah. Oh, now I think 11 and 12 kind of is interesting. Uh, I, I think it's also worth saying, are JT and Max, are they on the team? Are they in? I, I think JT is because he's JT. And I think, I, I don't know who in that room is is saying like, leave JT at home. You know, I, I think they're going to be big. Like he'll figure out the putter. He'll figure out everything when he gets there. Like, and you know, for better or worse, I think that's going to be the There's, prevailing yeah. prevailing thought. I think he should be on the team. I think yeah, you know too. this is kind of the, the some, thing that I think some, we've uh, written for for a long time is like 
I think guys do tend to to find it over a small sample size on on these types of events, but I don't know. I think there's a Jimmy Chitwood, I'll make it coach. It, yeah. Kind of like yeah. I think that's I think that's right. Which on. could totally like again, as somebody who doesn't really root super hard for the US or for Europe in this event, and I feel a little bit like a man without a, a continent here. I think JT going over is really good content, right? Like no oh, matter what sure. happens, I think it's gonna be captivating. We'll watch. I feel the exact way I've I've said multiple times in this pod. It was like, dude, I mean, you took Sergio in years where he was down and he he balled out the Ryder Cup. JT is 16, 5, and 3 in US team play or something like that. 6, 2, and 1 in the Ryder Cup was the best player on the team in France. It's weird to say, like, hey, he made the cut this week. See, he's not totally dead, which is not the strongest endorsement. But a lot of time between now, eh, well, not a lot of time, but there's time to kind of get some stuff sorted over the over the coming weeks and months. Max has never been on the Ryder Cup team. Obviously, he was on the President's Cup team and was successful. Um, is it a harder hurdle for him to clear to make this team? I think it is, obviously. I think it's, you know, I think with I think he's the kind of guy that, like, I think they're dying to make it easy for him to be on the team, right? Like, I think he's got all, all he's taken all the prereq classes, right? Like, I think he's a, he's a shoe-in if he's just got any kind of form going in, which, you know, again, was it was 20th or 21st in... Detroit, and then I think he was what top fifteen this week in in Scotland. So it seems like he's he's kind of got his feet back under him. Big week at the Open would help a ton. We've we've talked at nauseum about the majors and putting too much pressure on the majors and not being able to back it up and missing too many cuts at the majors and being irrelevant at the majors and like a lot of that stuff is is not nothing certainly. But I don't know who's jumping off the page ahead of him as far as like players that that guys want to be in the locker room with, players that guys want to be paired with elite ball strikers, really good drivers of the ball. Like, I mean, I think he's, he's got every possible box checked. We just, you know, he kind of needs to, needs to have some solid form uh, over the next month or so here. And that's where I, I, I get the sense again, just from, uh, as I say it out loud, probably not the best way to do it, but just from reading Twitter that people maybe don't have the most appreciation for at least how it feels like the U S team process works now currently is it's a it's a group of dudes that are going to figure this out more than it is Zach Johnson. I have a feeling yeah. like they're gonna, it's gonna be a, a you know if, if you're considering Jordan Spieth on this team who's not playing some good golf in recent weeks, like he's gonna want JT on that team and like the rest of the guys are gonna want JT on that team. And if it comes down to like Max or Taylor Gooch, I know exactly how that's gonna go. Right, right. a guy that they're gonna look forward to having in the team room versus a, a dude that you know, left the PJ tour and sued these guys on the way out uh, and is playing 54 hall events to test himself. Now, like that's not going to be if close. No. Or I think if it's some of these other guys and this is no disrespect to, you know, Denny, Denny McCarthy, McCarthy or yeah. Kurt Kitayama or Harris English, or I mean, even Sam Burns is like being wildly inconsistent. Cam young, who knows what's going on with him? Like, I, I just, I feel like max is a stronger stronger case than a lot of these guys so i'm we've thrown out a lot of names and i I think if we're agreeing on the same tenant and putting jt spieth and max all on the team we have to pick two between cam young sam burns uh tony finau denny mccarthy harris ingle like we're basically if we we're we're leaving one of cam young sam burns or finau out is that right that's that's correct i had uh who's your 11 you go first Oh God, they're not, they're all trending the wrong way. It's, That's what I'm saying. It's, it's getting more interesting, man. Cameron Young has been bad, like not, yeah, not like ready to be there. Uh, Finau's not been very good. Sam Burns has just been pretty meh. Um, I don't think they're playing on Bermuda either. Marco Simone. 
I'll, I'll give you my 11. You know how hard I ride for my guy. Oh, God, let's do Big it. Big Tone. I, I think Big Tone still has the highest floor of kind of the, the chess pieces on the board. Here. I think so, too. I think Finau's, Finau's on the team in that spot. Uh, I think McCarthy is going to have to really beat down the door. And if, if I'm looking over the last three months, well, he has. There's another guy you're you're looking over that you haven't mentioned yet. Who is that? Who's, who's in my number 12 spot, which is uh, TC's Keegan. boy, Keegan. Yeah. I think Keegan's I think Keegan's on right now. I think Keegan would make it over. Ah, it's so tough. Like I feel like <laughs> Keegan's playing at his ceiling, and I don't know if he will be come September. And I know but we know Burns and we know Young have more in the tank, right? So yeah. do you think you're gonna get that out of the 12 spot or do you want I don't know? I don't know, I don't know what to do with All that. Right. It's hard. It, it's it's getting interesting. Would you would you agree my your your theoretical ball is moving uh, your your probability or your your gut or whatever you want to call it yeah some i i think i i still think the u.s has a a talent depth o- over the europeans but obviously when you add in the european factor that seems to be a huge hindrance it's certainly interesting uh Just bears repeating to the uh to the listeners that they haven't won on european soil in what 31 years 30 32 93 years? <laughs> yeah, since 1993. Uh, oh, so, there goes that ball again. It just moved, <laughs> just inched a little bit, a little over to the right. Uh, again, these numbers don't mean anything, but uh, to start the year, Data Golf had the U.S. winning at 61%, Europe at 32. It, the spread got as high as 65 to 28 at one point in mid-April, and it is now 59% U.S., 33% Europe. So right. it's 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 the data matches the eye test. Yeah. It's definitely, it's getting closer. It, it really is. Um, God, I'm getting, I'm starting to get excited. And a lot of that's because of all the other bullshit I think that's going on. But man, I, I can focus I on close. this. I can focus on this for the next couple months. <laughs> I don't know how many more Senate hearings I can do. <laughs> I just hope it's close. I hope it's interesting. I don't want either. I wouldn't mind the U.S. blowing them out, but uh, I don't want the, I definitely don't want the, the, uh, the Americans get blown out. You haven't got a chance to. We we did a, a recording. We did a podcast on the on the Senate hearings on Tuesday. Do you have anything uh, a, anything to kind of add or anything that uh, any any gut feelings after after what we learned this past week? Feels like forever ago already. It does feel like forever ago. I I really don't have much to add. I kind of thought I would, and I kind of thought I would I would have a whole notebook full of thoughts. And this person said this, and what this meant was actually this, and blah 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 blah. And I'm I'm kind of hitting the wall of man. I, I just I I'm. I'm losing steam about how much I can give a shit about the the backroom stuff at this point. Like I think what was what was always firing me up about a lot of the like palace intrigue stuff was how it was going to affect the product like on the field so to speak, right? And I think when we get into like the Delaware stuff it's like, "Oh man, we're reshaping how this is going to look and how these playing opportunities are going to be and what event, what, you know, the, the heritage is going to look like five years from now and what, you know, how cards are going to be distributed and all of these things. And now we're just getting into like just all the other bullshit in every other industry in the whole world. Right. Like it's just turning into everything else and it's conspiracies now. And it's, it's like, Pet, all these, you know, senators talking about all their stupid ass pet issues. And it's just like, it just, I just kind of felt like really numb and dystopian watching it. And from like a golf perspective, I just, I don't give a shit anymore. I, get, I think it's kind of how I feel. I still really care about like 
what happens and what tours do you guys play on? And, you know, I, like what happens if the deal falls apart and like the, the X's and O's I still care about, but like, man, the, like who's in front of what subcommittee day by day stuff is where I'm like, ah, I think I got other shit to do with my time. I just, I really, I really don't care anymore. And, and that's, it feels like kind of packing, packing up my toys and going home, but it's, it's a little like, like, what do you, what do you want me to do? Like, what, what do you want me to weigh in on, uh, on some of this stuff? Right. It's like, oh, well, when fucking Ron Johnson said this, like what that could actually be connected to is this and this, and it's like, who fucking cares? Like, just tell me what, what's going to happen with, with some of the golf stuff, because it just feels like we're, we've never been farther from that being the case, you know? And, and it's, it's fun and it's kind of, it's fun to get into the drama and, you know, how, how, uh, you know, Jimmy Dunn answered questions versus Ron Price versus like all, all these it's, but other than that, it's like, it just feels kind of empty and hollow and gross. Yeah. I, uh, I've said this many times since June 6th, uh, that I don't really know what I'm rooting for. I don't feel like I understand what is happening or what is going to happen or what golf's going to look like, or that that's again, why, why we've, at least I've been accused many times of being a PGA tour shill was like, dude, I, I can pretty decide pretty easily between the PGA tour and live as to which one I, I think is more interesting. I, it's, that was not a difficult decision, which was uh real, truly choosing between the lesser of two evils of an organization that we've taken to task for many, many, many times over the years. And now it's like, I don't know what I I'm totally with you that when the designated event stuff came out and it was like, dude, all the best players are going to play together. Here's how we're improving the product. This is going to be better. I'm like, dude, this is better for golf fans. And I just, I don't look at, no one is talking about any of the ways this is going to be better for golf fans. They're on the one inch line of their own territory. As far as moving this forward, players haven't approved it. DOJ hasn't approved it. Uh, it's, it's at the fucking Senate hearings now on the floor. Uh, you know, Josh Hawley demanding that Ron Price renounce China. It's like, that's the stage of this that we're at. Like how, are we supposed to believe that this is going to end with entertaining golf? And it just seems like an absolute minefield to get it through player approval that are, that are pissed. Players are pissed. Jordan Spieth made comments in, in the public this week about uh, trust issues. Scotty Scheffler made, made comments. Xander Shoffley made comments. And um, I, I don't, uh, I, yeah, the, 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 the news that came out with the, um, this, since we recorded that was that the clause of, or the, whatever part of the agreement that said, if tours couldn't poach players from the other tour, uh, that has been removed from the framework agreement. So we've gone backwards in terms of things that are actually agreed upon. Now, this came at a uh, request of the DOJ, basically saying, like, you can't have this in there. Um, I was surprised there wasn't more reaction to this when it happened. I thought the the uh, the live bots would have ran with this and said open season, like we're about to see everyone flood, flood for the exits. But I uh, didn't really see a whole lot of that. And I think it it does at least go to show that we've learned in the last week that like both sides want this deal to happen, or I, I should say the tour executive team and the Saudis want this to happen. I don't know if the players do yet, if they know enough about it to want it, but uh, it, it clearly signals the, that lives and the Saudis intentions are to, to, to merge this thing. It seems like it. And I think from a reaction standpoint, what you, what you mentioned, I mean, I think everybody's, like nobody can agree on anything other than the fact that like nobody really knows what's going to happen. I feel like everybody's almost, it, it feels a little bit like a, uh, you know, the end of the, the good, bad and the ugly with the 
with the three-way standoff going on. Like nobody quite wants to fire because they're going to, you know, nobody wants to get on old takes exposed, I think. But it truly, it goes back to what we were saying a half hour ago. It's like, like I have no idea what's going to happen. None of it would surprise me at any point. None of it would shock me. Uh, I just feel like, I just feel pretty numb about, about all of it. And that's like, I think what is kind of a bummer about it is like, I was talking to talking to somebody about this with regards to another industry. It was like movies and TV and stuff. And when you get into this world where it's like everything is either it's just so hyper sensationalized, where like everything is either the Super Bowl, the only thing that matters, the pinnacle of everything, or it is like this is totally irrelevant. This is bullshit. Why would I care about this? It's kind of how golf has felt for like a really long time. And the the hard truth about a lot of this is that most golf falls in the middle of that. And I feel like I've just, I almost feel like I've just like eaten too much ice cream, right. With all the like drama that's going on. And now I just feel like I can't, I can't just have like normal food anymore. Like when you, you want it, like you were talking about, you know, trying to get hyped for like, what am I going to get hyped for the Wyndham and for like the Wyndham rewards you know, wraps the, up the that 3M week. coming up. It's like, what the hell do you want me to do with this, man? Like we've got, We've got a Senate hearings and the fate of humanity on on Golf Channel one day, and now you expect me to care about like Thursday at TPC, whatever the hell it's called in Minnesota. Like, no thanks. Like, and, that, and that's where I don't know how the downstream effect of that doesn't just undermine like years and years of golf watching after this. Does that make sense? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's it's kind of I've made this analogy, but it's kind of like 1994 baseball strike of like dude i mean you, you take this away like you 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 know you have a bunch of the stars split for some time the interest in golf is going to wane a little bit in that time period and like you bicker and fight about this and you all this greed that has happened in pro golf people are just going like to lose their appetite for it and, and it's not it's more it's like nba free agency it's been more fun and interesting to follow you know the the ups and downs and the back and forths of the the drama that isn't the actual golf and uh for sure and and i think for their part like the nba like love it or hate it is has pretty clearly ad adopted the role of like pretty nimble progressive nuanced league that's like willing to try new stuff and willing to kind of be at the cutting edge of things like do i think the pj tour is that fuck no yeah. man like what do oh, i think God. they're gonna totally reinvent themselves and like win all these people back like absolutely not and that's where i think i'm kind of almost I don't know. I'm trying not to see around the corner too far, but it's almost like, man, it, to your point, like what happens after the baseball strike? I think it's going to get like pretty bleak for, for golf and maybe not for the majors, right? Like maybe yeah. I think interest in golf and this is a whole other conversation that I think is like really interesting is we've said this all the time. Like the, the gulf between pro golf and golf has like never been bigger than it is right now like there's so much interest in the game of golf and i just don't know how you retain that in pro golf and i don't know how you retain that in pro golf when it's this fractured and there's this much shit going on and there's this much shit to follow and there's this many now we're going to roll out tgl stuff and now we're going to roll out another netflix series and now we're going to roll out it's just like god man it's just enough i don't know how anybody could possibly in their right mind like keep track of all this stuff mm. On the LPGA tour uh, this past week, speaking of more golf, Lynn Grant announces her arrival on the LPGA tour stage, winning the uh, Dana Open in Sylvania, Ohio. Uh, 
I got a great kick. She went by, well, I won it by three shots over Allison Corpus, who might be on her way to world number one. She's absolutely balling out. Uh, Lynn Grant shot 21 under Allison Corpus, shot 18 under. Um, 18th hole, par five, back to back par fives uh, on, uh, to finish on this golf course. Uh, the, the, the penultimate group is on the green putting out, and Lynn Grant hits a good drive and just hits, I assume, to be three wood as hard as she can from the fairway while they're still putting out, lands it on the green and rolls up to like 25 feet. Just Totally hit into the group in front of them. Uh, I don't think she thought she could get there and was kind of surprised by it, but it was a, a, a funny moment as she burst through the door to uh, two putt to victory and uh, win it by three and win $262,000. So it's time. It's Lynn Grant time. This happened very quickly. It is. And I'm looking forward to hearing Randy and Cody and the gang un- unpack it a little bit more on a, a future uh, LPGA pod, but it's almost like, kind of feels like that legend of that that kid that lives a couple towns over yeah. right that you've like you've heard about and you're like oh god when we get to the playoffs or we get to regionals or we get to whatever like they they're just going to mop the floor with us that kind of feels like what Lynn Grant has been the last couple years is like man if you know you know like she she's coming and it's going to be ugly she's going to win often she's going to win a lot uh and now it seems like we're we're finally seeing it i think this is what her third start in the US uh which is which is you know, just awesome kicking the kicking the damn door down. But she has kind of just been beating up the world stage for the last like two years. And uh, it's it's really fun to see her breakthrough stateside. Yeah, she was uh, famously not uh, able to compete in the U.S. due to uh, not being vaccinated. Now that, that has been lifted, she is uh, able to and comes over and just she. this is her first regular LPGA uh, event. She played the match play. Um, that was her first actual state side one. Then she had played oh, the two majors. Fourth one then. Yeah. yeah. Fourth one. Um, and then first like stroke play non-major event. And she goes out and wins it by like, almost shot 59, uh, in round three and, uh, statement statement win. Maria Fossey siding on the leaderboard too. She finished, uh, solo sixth. So it's, I, I never know when, to, when it's going to happen with her, but it's good to see her playing, um, some good golf as well. Uh, Lydia Ko went out in 44 today because she was playing lift clean in place, even though uh, that was not in play for today. <laughs> she took a, Is that right? a lot of penalties. Cool. Uh, I saw somebody, I, I forget who it was that uh, commented on there. I think it was uh, Lisa Cornwell actually uh, uh, brought that to Randy's attention uh, on Twitter. Randy was on a little Twitter heater this week. I enjoyed the shit out of that. He finally started <laughs> fight back a little bit. Uh, it, some funny, there's some funny stuff in there if you want to check that out, but. And then, speaking of fractured golf world, Nelly Corda wins the Ramco Team Series event, which I did not know was happening uh, in New York. So it's always fun to get, uh, you know, get everyone divided up and playing in different locations and uh, yeah. diluting the fields. That's that's working really great on, on both sides of uh, of the men's and women's side of professional golf. So, <laughs> um, any highlights from the uh, what was what was your favorite moment of the American Century Championship um, this past week? God, it's hard to pick one. So cool. Uh, no, I saw the Steph Curry ace was, you know, he seemed very excited about that. I, I be honest, that was the only thing I saw. Was there, was there anything else to, to add to the list? I don't know. Uh, TC wanted us to get mad about Annika playing in this thing. Um, mm. I, I don't have the, I don't have the energy to, to muster that up. TC, I think I'm so mad about it. I just had better not even address it because <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say. I can't be held responsible for what I'm going to say. I will say to the Barbasol. I, th- um, I think to his point, he was very mad about her competing in majors and then also competing as a celebrity and, in a competitive golf tournament. Um, TC, I, I think I would, you know, you, you might have to fight that one on your own. <laughs> um, another cool development in the Barbasol was we're recording this. Vincent Norman and Nathan Kimsey 
uh, are going to a playoff right now, which is a Vincent Norman is a European. He's a Swede, um, but plays on the PGA tour. And Nathan Kimsey uh, is uh, plays on the DP world tour is uh, in this event. Uh, he is from England and they're in a playoff in the Barbasol. So seeing the strategic Alliance kind of, going to work out. That's an interesting little wrinkle of this thing. That's good. You know, I shit on it earlier, but that, that seems like a, a net positive. Yeah. Vincent Norman's a very solid player. Yes. He's kind of, you always look for those, you know, the big deltas between like the, the data golf and the OWGR, yes. right? Like when the OWGR hasn't quite caught up yet or, or whatever. I think he's, he's 129 in data golf and 286 in the world rankings. So, and before a guy to put some shekels on before TC tries to claim him, um, I would like to go back to a January podcast of 2021 after I uh, watched him play the Tim Aquana Collegiate, uh, which he won. He was a uh, I think he came from Sa- Georgia Southwestern State uh, in the early part of his career. It was extreme late bloomer, transferred to Florida State for his senior year and was a total world beater. Uh, at Florida State, and I wa- he's just absolutely mashed the ball. It was screaming tour player as of when he was a senior in college, and uh, he is may have just gotten himself in trouble in the playoff. Um, I couldn't. Nope, that was the other guy. Sorry, but um, <laughs> he can mash it, and he's someone to watch going forward. Um, Steve Stricker won his third senior major of the year. That was news to me. I was not aware they had a major this week. Yeah, uh, Firestone won. Um, Hell yeah, yeah. Is that the senior players? I, I don't know. Who could say? But. Uh, you played a little golf this week. Why don't you tell us about yeah. it? Uh, I heard I did. about it. I did play a lot of golf this week. We did a uh, the the fabulous people at the Wisconsin State Golf Association, particularly Rob Jansen, the executive director. Uh, he does all kinds of like he has like a very small uh, kind of tourism budget that, that as as he explained it, it's basically like, hey, let's let's see what we can do each year to kind of shine a light on how much good golf there is in Wisconsin, maybe get people planning their buddies trips here, things of that nature. And this year he was like, you know, we've done this thing in the past where we've tried to show off, you know, there's 10 top 100 public golf courses in the state of Wisconsin. We've played them over 10 days. We've showed, you know, how, how much breadth and depth there is in, in Wisconsin golf. Like what if we played them in two days, uh, which made me laugh out loud when, when I heard it, but I was kind of like, man, that sounds impossible. Let's let's definitely do it. I'm, <laughs> I'm way in. Uh, it was kind of one of those perfect challenges of like every time you you told people about it, it was kind of like, yeah, I don't know if you could do that or not. Like I'm I'm, I'm genuinely curious to see if that's possible. And uh, Rob scheduled everything like down to the minute, uh, and and we just we had a blast, man. We had such a fun time uh, running around and trying to hit all of our deadlines because the big thing with it was like. You know, it's it's the middle of summer in Wisconsin. The weather is beautiful. It's not like you just wipe out tee sheets for like the whole day, right? So you're trying to like truly get it in where you can fit it in. And if you miss a tee time anywhere, it's kind of like dominoes falling and it's just gonna like screw up the whole the whole day. So there was a couple things on the itinerary that just kind of almost like maybe break into cold sweat. Like for instance, uh day two started with uh, we we had to According to Rob's itinerary, we had to walk Mammoth Dunes in an hour and 40 minutes, which is uh, <laughs> just a, a heavy sentence to like let sink in, right? Jeez. Because not only do you got to walk it in an hour and 40 minutes, you got to tee off at like 4.40 a.m. Oh because uh, I, I think our claim to fame from this, uh, it was my friend Stephen Watson and I that did it. I think we had first tracks at two different golf courses two days in a row. So we were the first off of two different golf courses two days in a row, which was... <laughs> Which was really impressive. So we we went out and played the the first course we played was the Irish course at Whistling Straits. 
we teed off there about 20 to five and had to be done in order to be the first group off at the straights, um, which we did. And we finished the straights by the time the first group of the day was finishing the ninth hole, which was pretty impressive. And then uh, the next day was similar to Sand Valley. We had to play Mammoth Dunes and get done before the first public tee time on Sand Valley, which was like 6.50. So it was like, yeah, whatever you, you well, here's some glow balls. Like if you want to start early, go ahead. You just, you, you got to be done by 6.47 and, and off the first tee at Sand Valley. And after that, you can do whatever you want. But, are you, t- are you toting your own bag at Mammoth Dunes? Are you seven clubs? Are you just walking up and hitting it? Are you gunning yardages? How do you play an hour, 40 minutes walking? I did uh half set. I, we had a caddy. So Rob, you know, both for our own uh, physical and mental health and also just to kind of show off the, uh, the fine offerings of all these places arranged caddies for everywhere that we were walking. So we walked four of them, Whistling Straits, Mammoth, Sand Valley, and Aaron Hills, places that are walking only. And then we took carts at the other places. And so wherever we were walking, he had caddies. And so we had some, some junior caddies at Sand Valley for both the Mammoth and Sand Valley round, uh, who totally knew what they were getting, getting into. I had an amazing caddy named Rose, who was phenomenal. We had such a blast. Uh, and she showed up, she was there at, uh, you know, ready to go. Actually, I think they met us on like the third hole. Cause we found these glow balls and we're like, let's just, let's just go. Like we need, we need to earn every minute counts here. It was like the bear, uh, you know, every second counts. We got to get out there and just get moving. Just tell the caddies we're going to be on like number two. Uh, so we did half sets and, uh, and a little like Sunday bag, uh, out there for that one. What was the highlight? That round was probably the highlight. Honestly, it was so fun. Like just knowing that you had to like, there, there's no other option, right? Like it's, it's like, you, you can't really like, you don't want to be out there and like all these people are paying all these money to, to play all these golf courses. You don't want to be like, Hey, we're doing this like dumb gimmick. Can we play through you? And you don't want to like ruin anybody else's experience. So you really, really want to hit your times. And not only that, just like functionally, it's like, Hey, Lasonia is holding a tee time for us at 1.30 p.m. So we got to get these three rounds of golf done and this drive done by 1.30. Like, we got to be there. We can't miss it. So it's like, your back almost like feels against the wall for 18 holes. It was like weirdly really fun. And it kind of like makes you lock in and weirdly play like really good golf. Like both of us played played really good. Uh, Steven played better than I did. We decided to play a 180-hole match. Uh, and I got beat 25 and 24, which was tough, but that sounds like you ran out of holes though. I did run out of holes. Yeah. Actually. It's funny you say that. Cause the other highlight I think was Aaron Hills, uh, which, you know, you could, if you're going to, uh, really pick nits at any part of this, any part of this plan, maybe ending with the walk at Aaron Hills was, <laughs> was uh, a little tough. I think it's, it's a good, like eight, eight and a half mile walk out there. Anybody who's been out there knows what a big, uh, ballpark that is. So we got out there and played like awful, awful golf. Uh, the first nine shot 47, uh, just like spirits were, were really low, especially after having played like pretty solid golf the first nine rounds. Uh, and then it was like, I, I don't know what it was, man. It was just the, the sun starts going down. The, that place is so beautiful in, in the sunset. Uh, I think we started drinking. That probably helped. Uh, but my wife, Justine, showed up to because just functionally because we needed a ride home. But uh, she showed up and walked the back nine with us. A couple of Steven's friends showed up and then a couple of Nest members showed up. And by the end of it, like we had a pretty good gallery going. And so I started I'm, I'm not going to give you the whole blow by blow, but uh, ended up three putting for bogey number 10 and then played the rest of it in, I guess, two under after that. <laughs> 
Uh, and so, so holes. Shot, shot one under on the back and just like had, had such a fun time, man. It was, it was awesome. Damn. That's awesome. What an incredible experience that, uh, I still don't like, like talking with Gino when he set the world record for, for most golf played in a week. I still don't like, can't physically picture it. I don't know how you get around in that short of time, but, uh, I look forward to seeing the content that, that's going to come from it. Yeah, we had a we had a good crew with us, uh, Dylan Block and and Jason Yonke, who who kind of captured the whole thing for what'll be kind of like a short film for the WSGA website. Should be should be really cool. So it was uh, it was fun, man. It will tell you what it was going out and playing. Uh, we played the Irish course, and I think probably an hour and I don't know thirty nine minutes, hour and forty two minutes, something like that was like our first round of golf and that was in carts you're cruising like when yeah. you each got your own cart that's easy you're not really waiting for the other guy to tee off you're just kind of like hitting your shot going back to the cart taking off so you get into like a pretty easy rhythm and then we played the straights course in like 240 or something like that which is no slouch of yeah. a walk either but good caddies there as well uh and by the time we got to black wolf run the river course that was when we like ran into public play for the first time interminable just like uh, unbelievable like to, we still played in like 345 like they were fine but it was like the difference between those two rounds was just i don't know how all, all of this is building towards like i don't know how a pj tour player can like go play slow competitive golf it, it is it blows my mind when i wasn't thinking about anything and i was truly just walking up seeing it hitting it finding it hitting it again like it's easy to play good golf but when you're just sitting there waiting, 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 it is it is such another skill set, man. I, I can't believe people can do it. Did you keep some stats, water bottles, shoe changes, golf balls, anything? Uh, I tried to. I, I can tell you I wore a rotating cast of three different pairs of shoes, tried to change socks between every, at least every walking round. I started keeping those stats through the first like round or two. And then like we're just playing so fast that like actually like sitting there and like writing out yeah. the stats at the end of the hole was a where it was like, yeah, this has got to go. We don't, we don't have time for this. It was, it was hard to actually like, even just tweet out at the end of the rounds, like what our time was and what our, you know, what our scores were and all that stuff was like, God, I, it's going to take me three holes to like find a second to, to actually like post this tweet. Cause we're, we're trying to just fly and keep things moving. Did it make you want to play more golf or want to hang the clubs up for a while? No, I was, I was felt totally rejuvenated about golf i was oh, ready lovely. i could have done could have done 36 more the next day i was oh. i was feeling feeling pretty good i the feet were a little sore just from a lot of a lot of walking had a toenail that still doesn't look great where you know it's it's touch and go on whether he's gonna gonna hang on or not. but uh other than that like body felt body felt totally fine swing felt felt pretty good like you know, I think my swing, I was telling you guys on Slack this week, I don't, my swing, my swing might be ugly. It might not look great, but I, I don't think it's, it's injury prone. I think it's, it's built to last, which I think is, is good. There was, there was no soreness the next day. I think you should send that toenail to the Wisconsin golf hall of fame. Maybe I will. I think That's it, a good I idea. That would be an interesting thing. God, how cool would that be? Document for history's sake. Uh, yeah. New irons. How good are those? I don't even know if we can talk about them yet, but the, the new titleist irons, the T series are whew, really, really solid. Uh, yeah, I, I unfortunately was my mouth got a little ahead of my brain, and and uh, I I thought that the rest of them were going to show up. All that showed up was the four iron. Oh, uh, I didn't know so that. I had some back ordered shafts. Don't cry for me; they'll be here soon. But I, I haven't gotten the one fifties yet, so uh, I did get fit into all T one fifties. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. I can four report the T one fifties are dynamite. I'm, I'm yeah. so back. The, they glide through the turf. They're fantastic. Shot my low round of the of the year last week. Ooh. I I'm back under par for the first time in a long time. I'm I'm back. I'm feeling 
feeling great. Nothing, nothing in my life is going to change the fact that I'm playing good golf right now. Nothing, <laughs> nothing pending in my life is going to stop that. The, new, the newborn is like that Jason Momoa meme right now. Uh, how much of this do you think is, uh, is credited to the fact that KVV just very casually put a bullet in your head on the internal slack about Ben being the best golfer at NLU? Uh, it was maybe just so, the kick in the ass I needed. Yeah. So matter of fact, too. It was like he, like he, it was out of he nowhere. Didn't, he didn't even consider like there was any other option. He's right. like, oh yeah, I was talking to my kids about you know how Ben's obviously the best golfer at NLU and and blah blah blah. And you're like, whoa, oof. I just gave it the 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 guy that does the blinking meme of just oh, okay. I didn't know we were doing that. Okay, but uh, kind yeah. of a Djokovic Alcaraz situation there. Maybe you know the youth youth has just passed you by. I'm down to play any and all of you guys in matches. It made me think we need to have like an NLU club championship of just straight up no strokes. You can compete if you want, but like it, it, <laughs> if we want to do it, we could do it. That'd be fun. I think it'd be some good content, but um, you know, have a cut. And then if you, you got to film the finale, if you don't make the cut it, or something like that, I like it. That's a great idea. But, Sign me uh, up. No. Yeah. I, 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 didn't, I didn't care. I didn't even care at all that he said that. I, I forgot. He got that. that. Oh yeah. I forgot until you brought that up. So, all right. We said we keep it tight no matter what. It's an hour and a half these days. We can't do it. Can't keep any tighter than that. Anything else before we, depart uh nothing else excited for the open man big big week preview coming uh what tuesday and then live shows uh after that so. that is correct we'll be recording on monday and uh have all our picks and all the takes about royal liverpool and all that uh coming up in your inbox as of tuesday morning so thank you everyone for tuning in pie man thank you for being here on a lovely sunday evening time to go eat some sushi and drown my sorrows about the reds four game losing streak um, but it's good to feel pain again. It's good to be back and feeling some pain again in baseball. Yeah. Welcome, man. Welcome. So. All right. Good night. Thanks, Pye, man. See ya. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect